rain, <laughs> nourishment. Did you know that in the Bible, suns are likened to healthy plants? Through wisdom is in-house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hi friends, welcome to the Treasure Box Books Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ching, a redeemed child of God, happy husband and homeschooling dad, and lifelong lover of good books. Fellow dad, are you eager to fill your children's hearts with truth and faith and wisdom and courage? Do you long to build growing, lasting, God-centered relationships with your family? If you're ready to inspire and equip your children to walk with God by learning and living together, then come join us on our journey, and let's go find the treasures in books. Here in Hawaii, it's a rule of thumb that the eastern sides of the islands receive more rain and tend to stay green, while the western sides receive less rain and tend to feel more like the southwest United States. Hot, dry desert. It's obviously true on Hawaii Island or the Big Island. It's very plain to see on Maui, and it's very plain to see here on Oahu. We live on the eastern side of the island, so we usually have green. For a good two-thirds to three-fourths of the year, everything here is lush and green. But the past month or so, my lawn has been so dry we haven't even needed to cut the grass. In fact, a few weeks ago, the grass felt hot and prickly when I walked on it barefooted. But right now, perhaps you can hear it, rain is dripping outside. We just had a short downpour, and we need it, and I rejoice. And when it rains, I thank God for it. And I can imagine our fruit trees and our vegetables sighing with enjoyment, sighing with refreshment, rain, (laughs) nourishment. Did you know that in the Bible, suns are likened to healthy plants? Yes, Psalm 144 is a psalm of David, and it is a prayer that David prayed for peace and prosperity for his people. And in Psalm 144, verse 12, we read this prayer request, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. Psalm 128 uses a similar analogy. Verse 3, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Just as healthy plants need nourishment, our children need nourishment too. Specifically, their faith in God and His Word needs nourishment. How do we, as fathers, provide that nourishment to their souls? In this episode, I want to share five practical tips to help you nourish your children's souls in trusting God. Tip number one, consider their age and level of understanding, and read age-appropriate and level-appropriate books to them. My firstborn son recently recommended a book he read a couple of years ago. It's called It Couldn't Just Happen, and it is geared toward 4th through 6th graders. Our 8-year-old recently mentioned a much shorter and simpler book called Noah and the Great Flood. Both of these books contain truth and information given from basically the same perspective, but they're written for different age levels and different degrees of comprehension. Consider their age and level of understanding. Tip number two, confidently teach them 
the truth of God's Word. If you know it's the truth, speak of it as if you believe it. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, the Apostle Paul said, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. You and I don't have to be experts or feel like experts in a particular field to speak confidently about God's Word. You don't have to get run over by a truck to know that it will hurt you. (laughs) My granddad used to say something like this, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But it ought to be this way, granddad would say, God said it, that settles it. Now, of course, we're not promoting mindless belief and blind faith. As a matter of fact, we strongly believe in thinking through questions. We cherish the responsibility of finding out why we should or should not believe certain things, and we want to nourish inquisitiveness in our children's minds. In fact, God encourages reasoning. In Isaiah 1.18, God said, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And so we're not promoting blind faith. We are fathers. We are men who should have already been thinking through these questions and finding answers ourselves. And we need to show our children that we have grappled with questions, and sometimes we still do, but we've come to firmly rest our confidence in the Word of God, not in spite of the evidence, but because of the evidence. We're confident in it. J. Warner Wallace, who wrote God's Crime Scene and Cold Case Christianity and Person of Interest, said this, Why would you put your faith in something that can't be supported by evidence? In other words, he's saying Christianity is evidence-based. And in fact, that's how the gospel writers wrote their accounts. And Luke directly points that out in his opening lines of both his gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles. And so, be confident in your trust in God's Word. Confidently teach your children the truth of God's Word. Tip number three. Consistently keep the truths of God's Word before them. Here are a few ways to do this. Number one, have a daily family Bible time. I've discussed in a previous episode how to do this. You can find a link to that episode in the show notes. Number two, read books that encourage faith in God's Word. Number three, read books that lead to discussion about what is true. With my older sons, I've been reading How to Be Your Own Selfish Pig (laughs) by Susan Schaefer Macaulay. She is the daughter of Francis Schaefer. And in this book, she honestly presents various arguments both for and against the Bible And she effectively points out how the Bible provides us with really the only system of thinking that actually makes sense with the real world. And so tip number three is consistently keep the truths of God's word before them. Tip number four, correct falsehood as it arises in day-to-day living, whether you meet it in digital media or advertisements, or books. One of my sons is very, very interested in dinosaurs right now, and so he's been looking at dinosaur books, and I've looked up some videos online with CGI dinosaurs to fuel his imagination. He's already old enough to read, 
and he's old enough to understand what the narrators mean when they talk about dinosaurs evolving and when the books talk about long, long ages and so on. And he often mentions these references to evolution. And he points out already at his young age that it's not true. And he even has some pretty good arguments for his young age for why he believes that that evolution isn't true. I'm glad my son is already learning to see through the falsehood, but I still view it as my role as his protector to continuously steer his mind toward the truth. And so tip number four, correct falsehood as it arises, leads us to the fifth practical tip for nourishing our children's faith. Tip number five, capture teachable moments. I just mentioned evolutionary books on the positive, biblically-based end of the spectrum. I've been reading a book called My Listening Ears by Joanne de Jong to my family. Last night, I read about our digestive tract, and we learned about the millions upon millions of villi and the blood vessels in them and the glands and digestive juices that the body releases in just the right amounts at the right times for just the right kinds of foods. As I was reading that book, I wondered out loud something like this. How could that have happened if we evolved? I mean, until the first of our ancestors had evolved this ability to digest food, what did we do if evolution were true? And um, did his mate evolve the same processes at the same time he did? (laughs) What was I doing? I was trying to capture a teachable moment. A few weeks ago, one of my teenage sons and I finished reading an adventure fiction book together. It's set in the Alaskan wilderness, and the story contains a boy whose dad is always too busy to spend time with him. And the intention of the book is clearly not to make the dad look bad. In fact, it's showing that he's working hard, he's really trying to provide for his family, but the boy feels the sting. He wants time with his dad. And as I read the book, I said to my son, I hope I'm never too busy to spend time with you. It was briefly stated, but it was a teachable moment that I hope will stick with him. What was I trying to do? I was simply trying to capture a teachable moment. A few weeks ago, one of my sons and I began reading a book about manly men, and I have the distinct impression that as soon as we have finished reading the last page, it is going to go on the highly recommended list. Uh, Just last week, my son was reading to me in the car. I was driving. He was sitting in the passenger seat reading to me. And he read to me about one of the men featured in the book. And it talks about his drive to win, his pursuit for excellence, and so on. And then it talks about how those were not the most important things in his life. The most important thing in his life was his devout faith in God. I thought, oh, great, this is good. And then it immediately began to describe his Roman Catholic faith. Before I make any enemies, let me say that I greatly admire many men and women who are of the Roman Catholic persuasion and even hold up some of them as heroes to myself and to my family. But I also believe that the Bible is plain and clear that there are many parts of Roman Catholic teaching that are not biblical, that are actually not only extra-biblical, but actually contrary to the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And the Roman Catholic system is very contrary to that. So I pointed out this difficulty to my son. And I said, 
he, the man of the story, was very sincere in his faith. We disagree with his religion, but we can admire his sincerity, and we can admire the character qualities in his life. And so I'm not saying this to criticize Roman Catholics. I'm saying this was a teachable moment. And so tip number five is capture teachable moments. Bonus tip number six, converse with your children regularly. I suppose each of the first five tips tie in with this one, because if we don't talk with their children, no matter how many great and good and living books we place in their hands or even read to them, we may expect precious little growing, living, vibrant faith in our children if we don't simultaneously give them the time that heart-to-heart, face-to-face, conversing requires. And we see that very plainly when God instructed the Israelite fathers in how to nourish their children's faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, the instruction is plain. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. That's talking about giving lessons. That's talking about giving repetition. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them. That's talking about conversing. That's talking about discussing. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And so there are lessons that a father should teach his children the word of God, but also he should be conversing, discussing, talking with his children. When? When he sits in his house, when he walks along the road, when he lies down, when he gets up in the morning. Fathers were to be talking with their children all throughout the day about the truth of God. Proverbs 4 verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Proverbs 23, verse 26, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. What is all this talking about? This is talking about conversing with our children regularly. Regularly. And so to tie it all together, we have got to converse with our children. We have to talk with them to nourish their faith in the Word of God. Really quickly, let's review these practical tips. Number one, consider their ages and levels of understanding. Two, confidently teach them the truth of God's Word. Three, consistently keep the truths of God's Word before them. Four, correct falsehood as it arises. Five, capture teachable moments. And finally, converse with your children regularly. You can also check out our website, treasureboxbooks.com, to see these tips along with the books mentioned in this episode. And as you nourish your children in trusting God and His Word, I pray that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, our children like olive plants round about our tables. If you heard something helpful today or feel better equipped to lead your family, maybe you have a friend who could benefit from this episode too. Don't keep it to yourself. Hit share in your podcast app or take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend. Or just post a link on Facebook to treasureboxbooks.com 
and let your friends know that this episode might encourage them. You can find any links and resources mentioned today on the episode page linked below, or just head over to treasureboxbooks.com and sign up to get our newsletter to keep you informed about future episodes and product releases. And if you've got a book recommendation or experience or idea you'd like to share with other dads, send me an email. My address is nathan at treasureboxbooks.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until we meet again, keep leading your family to find the treasures in books. <laughs>